1: We are continuing on in the college football season. We're not at NFL Draft season just yet, but we still have thoughts and things that are going on in the NFL Draft world. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft Analyst Ryan Roberts, at Rise and Draft on Twitter. Ryan, we're starting to really formulate our thoughts on a lot of these guys. And yeah. I feel like a lot of the thoughts that we had in the preseason still reside, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, like a lot of the guys that we were talking about at the beginning of the year, I feel like are still in that, in that conversation. There hasn't really been anyone who's broken through, you know, the crust, if you will, no one's like really, we've talked about some guys like Olu Fashanu was one and we already knew Clark Phillips was good. So like him being one of our risers, we're going to talk about two other guys that maybe aren't necessarily first rounders, but Mm -hmm. is it, is it weird to say that no one has really exploded and ascended to the point where they're, Suddenly and unexpectedly, on
2: a first round radar in the media side of things, just in general, I, yeah, I mean, that's a good question, actually. I haven't really thought about it too much, Joe. I mean, I, I feel like there's sequence to there's sequences to the draft process, right? Like right. there's usually the media driven stuff now. And then you get into the bowl season with early declarations that you're just kind of like, I didn't know too much about that guy or get into the all-star circuit where guys pop off and then they Mm -hmm. rise. I mean, like, was anybody talking about Cole Strange before the senior bowl, you know? And and I mean, but even after he had a great game. At Chattanooga against Kentucky, people weren't talking about him a ton. Like, I mean, I think Jim Nagy tweeted some about him after he had that game. But I think that there are sequences to just how guys rise in this process. You know what I mean? So it's Fashano's a good one, though. Olu Olufashano's mm-hmm. a good one. But I mean, yeah, to your point, most of the guys that we expected to be good football players are the guys that are being good football players. So there's always going to be the Fashanos of the world, though. I mentioned Braylon Trice a couple of weeks ago, who I think is yep. going to have a big rise in this class. Like, there's always going to be some guys, but to your point, maybe not as not as many. I guess the uh, the volume might be a little down to compared to some years.
1: Right. It just my main point with the the opening thought there is it just it feels like the expectation is kind of just stuck where it's been. You know, and like we we talked about like how good we thought. Quinton Johnson was over the off season, but we recognized yeah. some of his issues. And, and even though he's dominating right now, there's recognition for that. My expectation, my thoughts on him now, my overreaction kind of came down to earth when you explained some of those things. It just feels like there hasn't, again, there's we're like right at the same level of whatever expectations were. Maybe maybe things yeah. change over the next couple of weeks, but the only main guy that keeps getting brought up is Hendon Hooker. I feel like like that's the one guy who like everyone is now making that debate. way, Ryan, I got to say this before we, we talk about, um, we yeah. do the read and then we talk about um, the Roquan Smith trade. I saw and I, I was just kind of poking around some articles and I won't say what outlet, but Max Duggan's name was brought up as a riser. Uh, would you care to comment on that?
2: You know, it's funny, Joe, I did a, a petty kind of, it was supposed to be like, it was supposed to be a funny tweet from like 2021 mm-hmm. that someone just commented on the other day. And I, I said in the tweet that Max Duggan is my off the wall pick to be a riser in that draft. And obviously <laughs> that didn't happen. And uh, I guess people thought that it was a good take by me, but I was completely joking. I wasn't being serious with it. And I, I, he's more talented than some guys we've been hyping up, man. I mean, yeah. like, it, it's it's. I mean, like the Sam Hartman's of the world, like why wouldn't I take him in that bucket over a Sam Hartman or a Grayson McCall or something like that? Like there's a merit to it, I think. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to go like top 100 pick Max Duggan, but like day three developmental guy, why not? You know, it's a dart throw at that point, but.
1: Yeah, he's like, he's a really good athlete. Like that's where the, the, the value is. But then there's obvious limitations
2: to his arm. Like his, he just, he's not really, He's not a natural thrower. He's like, no. it, it's just very mechanical. He's like one of those guys. that's like a Josh Dobbs, Chris Straveler, yes. like one of those guys, right? Like they're big, strong, good looking athletes, but, and they have decently strong arms, but it's not a natural release, right? Like it just doesn't look like they're not, a, it's just, everything's very mechanical and yeah. robotic and it's just weird.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. the other thing too, if you watch TCU football games and like, again, I'm high on TCU this year. I love watching them play. But you gotta understand the context of like a lot of his production. Yeah. And you watch it, it's a lot of wide open receivers, it's a lot of throws that are are taken to the house by Quentin Johnson and and some of those other really speedy guys. Like he is really helped by the circumstance Mm -hmm. of all of those athletes. And I think you take him out of that situation and say you go put him on like Illinois or Mm -hmm. heck, Mm -hmm. put him on Syracuse. Like, I don't know if he's (laughs) as productive.
2: Like I don't know if if we're talking about him in the same, the same light. It's a fair point, and I would say this. You know, it's we're always going to run into the air raid thing of how translatable it is to the next level because Sonny Dykes is an air raid guy, right? Like he came, he was like that Mike Mike Leach tree mm-hmm. at one point. Like he's that guy. So there's there's merit to it. I've heard also heard people bring up Hendon Hooker in that vein too. It's like you know that offense creates a lot of easy throws, and it does, and that's why you need to decipher the easy versus the translatable versus the makeup that a player has. So I, mm-hmm. I think th- – I do think, though, that Ma- – I mean, Max Duggan has done about as well as he could do this year, man. Like what a step that he's taken as a player. It wasn't even starting. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I hate when people use that as a scapegoat. I remember um, – uh, who was the coach that just said – oh, it was uh, – it was – what's his name from Texas A&M? His name escaped me – Jimbo. Jimbo Fisher was like – yes." Do you remember when he started Haynes King to start the year, and then he benched it for Max Johnson? I remember when Haynes had to start again because Johnson got hurt. Uh, Jimbo was like, "Oh, well, we're, you know, we're playing with a backup quarterback." And I'm like, Jimbo, you're <laughs> starting quarterback for right, the unit, right. buddy? Like that's such a, a lane, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a bad excuse, such a bad excuse, man. Uh, just because you're just because you're like three and four, or whatever you are with one of the best recruiting classes ever that doesn't give you uh doesn't give you no excuse for this right now, man. doesn't give it an excuse.
1: I won't take us down the rabbit hole, but that why the Connor Weidman kid is, uh, is fun. Like that. No, kid he's kid he,
2: he's well, and, but then Joe, you can also, poke holes in the coach and though it's like why was connor wegman not starting earlier in this season like after after you had max after max johnson gets hurt after you've already said nope haynes king's not the guy and you go to max johnson why isn't connor wegman in the conversation after max johnson gets hurt like just a lot of weird things man a lot of weird things a lot of messiness and speaking of messiness
1: we're going to talk about the chicago bears before we get to that though uh, i want to tell you folks about bet online we've got (laughs) The NFL surging on, college football surging on. We also have got the NBA, NHL seasons that started. You can also be betting on the World Series. And if you're going to be doing that, make sure you head on over to Bet Online, where you'll find all the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. As uh, your continued source for all of your sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Head to BetOnline.ag and join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so we had a trade go down that was pretty significant. Now, I know that there were a lot of trades that have been happening over the past few days, and once the trade deadline hits, there's going to be even more significance. Um, but I think that this Roquan Smith trade by the Chicago Bears is probably going to be the largest one in terms of capital. I, I, I mm-hmm. doubt that someone massive gets moved for a first-round pick. But Roquan Smith is heading to the Baltimore Ravens uh, and they are currently in ownership of a first round pick two round picks and uh, two fifth round picks along with two fourths, a third and a seventh. So they are pretty stacked up for this upcoming draft class. Wouldn't be surprised if they didn't try to add some more draft picks. Now, Ryan, I just want to talk from like an overall team building perspective as a draft show. That's the yep. angle that we're always going to take. This is going to be probably the biggest rebuild in the NFL, separate from the Carolina Panthers. Like, what what does this really do for them? Like, you get rid of a young linebacker in Roquan who doesn't want to be there. Like, what right. what do you what do they try to attack? Like, that's to me is like what needs to be fixed on this team because this is it's a mess.
2: Well, I mean, I think if we start with the trade, Joe, I actually think it was a good move by the Chicago Bears. I mean, it, yeah. in a vacuum you're trading one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Like there's no doubt about it, but Roquan Smith's not signed after this year. So he's going to be due for a massive contract. So if there's any time to trade him, I think it's now because look, look, I'm a big linebacker guy, right? Like I played the position. I value it still heavily, but the fact of the matter is, is that Roquan wants to get paid.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
2: Like he wants to get paid. So I don't think that we're with what your roster is right now with with the Bears. I don't think you have a window that would make sense to pay an off ball linebacker $20 million a year. Like, I just don't think that makes sense. Right. So getting a second and fifth, I think is pretty good value for what Roquan is. You know, he's a good football player, no doubt about it, but you're a Chicago bears team that has a lot of uncertainty. And right now you need to build the right way. In my opinion, right? Like I would ask you, Joe, like who are the pillars on this bears team right now? I mean, Maybe Justin, Justin Fields. Fields, maybe, maybe. I, I mean, I, I, it's. I think it's still. Yeah, the, the jury is still out in that situation. I'm saying like, who are the pillars that you know for certain are pillars? You know what I mean? Like, I push back slightly on that
1: on Justin Fields uh-huh. because like I, having me been like a Giants fan and watching Daniel Jones every <laughs> single week and yep. like people, the way that people talked about him after his second year justin fields is in his second season and there's a lot of nice things that are flashing and considering the circumstance there's nothing around him so like i would consider him to be a pillar trying to reset at quarterback is just going to offset you at the very least you've got a really good athlete at quarterback maybe you put some weapons around him and you build up that offensive line he's going to do a lot better but to your point you don't know for sure because he hasn't shown enough certainty in his performances but right Mm -hmm. now that roster is a mess justin fields is i think the only level of certainty and i like Maybe like Khalil Herbert's nice, but he's not a pillar. He's just a piece on that that roster.
2: I mean, I, I do like Khalil Herbert. I mean, if you ask me who the pillars were, I would say Herbert might be one. Like, if I was the Bears, after tra- trading Robert Quinn and now making this trade with Roquan Smith, I would try to have David Montgomery on the move. You know, because again, yeah. he's going to be up for contract in a couple of years and. I just I don't I don't think that he is the type of back that you want to give a second contract to, right? So Khalil Herbert on a rookie deal that was like a six-round pick. That's not a bad spot to be in. You have him and hopefully Tevin Jenkins is one of your pillars. I mean, I know he's been banged up a little bit. I think he's playing okay this season. Darnell Mooney, you need to start getting it, you know, kind of in back on the right track type of thing. He maybe could be a pillar. Outside of that, I mean, defensively, you have the rookie safety, Jaquan Brisker, I think is a really good player. Uh, yes. Kyler, yes, Kyler, I forgot about him. Yeah, Kyler Gordon's playing you know, up and down, but he was a second-round pick last year. He should probably be thought of as a potential pillar, hopefully. But, I mean, to your point, this roster right now is – and Kill Harry caught a touchdown last week, Joe. I mean, like, <laughs> it's, it's freezing uh, like that, right? Right now your starting receivers are Darnell Mooney, who's not playing great football, not all his fault. Dante Pettis, who you know, played for the Giants at one point, mm-hmm. And Equinemius St. Brown. starting receivers, man. Backups to them, Vilas Jones, who has done nothing this year. No. Drafted by Tennessee. I mentioned Nakeel Harry. And then Isaiah Coulter, apparently, is on the Bears, Joe. Uh, I don't know
1: yes, if you knew he that has, one. He has. not so. No, I did know that. I did know that Zay was on the Bears. But I don't – they panned over to him on the sideline, not dressed, talking to someone. So I don't know if he's – He was always somebody who had a lot of injuries, but, um, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can, you know, butcher this pig here, or you can fix this team. Like there's so many different ways that you can fix this. And I guess it's a good problem to have like no overanalyzation, just draft best, best available. That first round pick to me has to go to an offensive lineman. Like they can't. And I know that we try not to emphasize the like, Oh, you know, reach because indeed, Mm -hmm. you can't continue to watch Justin Fields fight for his life, but it helps them. The one thing I will say that that second, second round pick, this isn't a great receiver class, but there's going to be some pieces in the second round. Like that's a really good opportunity for them to get maybe one or two guys, just some weapons. Like they need to start offensively because that's where the best possible pillar, at least the foundation is Justin Fields. Don't go defensive. Like, I feel like if you're like constantly like leaning defense, trying to fix this bears team, Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what this problem has been for so long, Ryan, is that we've mm-hmm. just watched a defensive team with no offensive prowess slop around every single season. I know that's like, well, again, you don't want to reach to to fill need and, and and stick to a certain philosophy like we talked about on the show. But yeah. maybe they need to change a pace here. Maybe it needs to be an offensive approach.
2: What the weirdest hire this offseason from a head coaching perspective, aside from. What's the guy's name that's in Denver now was the offensive coordinator for the – Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, which is just yeah. an awful hire. It was an awful hire then, and we talked about it then. That it was an awful hire. But But giving the job to Matt Eberflus, who was a defensive coach at the with the Indianapolis Colts as the head coach for the Bears, just thought that was a weird move, man. Like you had a young quarterback that you need to kind of figure things out there's not a bunch of Sean McVeigh's walking around, but I feel like you needed that type of guy, you know, like to come and kind of save the development of a Justin Fields. So mm-hmm. hopefully – Matt Perflus is better than what I think he is, and he can kind of get the offensive structure worked out. But, I mean, for me, Joe, like you mentioned the two biggest needs, and I think if you come out of the draft with an offensive lineman early, because they need a right tackle, man, they do. Like Larry Borum, Larry Borum's not a tackle. Braxton Jones actually playing decent ball at left tackle as a rookie, which is a nice find in the fifth round. That's awesome. Tevin Jenkins develops and becomes the player that we thought he could be coming out of Oklahoma State, then – you're getting better, but right tackle's an issue. You need to get that. And then, man, wouldn't it be nice if they can get Jackson Smith and Jigba to uh, to reunite with Justin Fields? Obviously, he had a lot of a lot of success with him in it, during his Ohio State career, and that would be kind of the instant separator that I think they need in this offense. But I could not agree more that it is offensive tackle or offensive line, I guess, just in general, and it is wide receiver. Those are the paramount positions to figure out. And, I mean, yeah. Weapons, 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 and protection. That's what you need for Justin Fields right now.
1: And can't go wrong with that approach, building up the offensive line, getting some receivers. So, Ryan, we've got our next thing that I wanted to get to has uh, a little bit of a connection to your trip this past weekend. So Garrett Williams suffers an ACL injury, and he is going to be done for the rest of the season. I'm unsure of his exact eligibility off the top of my head.
2: He's a, a, so he would be a technically, COVID junior. he would be a, he he's would be younger, fourth, right? He's a fourth year player, but I think he's technically a sophomore with the COVID year. That's,
1: so. that's what I thought. So yeah. he's somebody, it seems like probably going to come back. I don't know for sure what that deal is, but this sucks because I think a lot of people had him as a top 50 pick. And we talked about yeah. him during the preseason as a top 50 pick, a top corner selection, And now this corner group is seemingly thinning out that there is no Garrett Williams from Syracuse in that discussion.
2: He's a good football player, man. He really is. I mean, I I feel like most media members have rated him probably around the top 50. And I think that he was a very safe second-round type of player. Like I (laughs) – So we talked about in the summer, right? Like he is just a really refined kid, good athlete, just understands how to play a position, man. Like mm-hmm. I talked to a, a scout for the Denver Broncos about him briefly, and he was just lauding over his football IQ and his spatial awareness and all that great stuff, right? And obviously that was before the game, before he got injured. So it, it's very unfortunate, man. He's also a friend of the show, and he's a good kid. I actually checked in with him last week leading up to the game to let him know I was coming down to the game, you know, and then I just texted him before we got on the show, just, you know, making sure he's doing okay. Cause it's mm. a, it's tough, man. Like, cause he, he flirted with entering last year's draft. Like he almost entered 2022 as a 30 year sophomore and then decided to come back. Cause he, I guess he just didn't get quite the grade that he wanted to from the advisory board, but now you come back and I thought he was having a, a good season, a much healthier season than last year. And unfortunately gets banged up with the ACL, which, just sucks. I mean, it really does suck, but he's a good football player. Whether he ends up declaring for 2023 still, or he goes back to school. I'm not sure what the decision is going to be, but I think that someone's going to get a tremendous value, especially if he comes out because he's probably going to go lower than he should. And I mean, ACL Terrace at the end of the day aren't that big of a deal anymore. Like they're not. So it's, it's going to be they're, interesting. They're not, but like one of the things and somebody,
1: I was talking about like Saquon's ACL with somebody when he started to have a really good start to the season and, and it kind of put in a really good perspective that the recovery process is a lot quicker, but it's usually the second season back from that injury is when you're kind of back to normal and you're you're back to the way that you were because there's always just going to be natural hesitation mentally. There's going to be limitations, some slight limitations physically. There's just a lot of factors that come into it. So it hopefully it doesn't hurt him you know hopefully it doesn't yeah. take him out and take a step back because he's a fantastic athlete. He's a great great defensive back. It just it sucks and again there's less good corners that are mm-hmm. now in this class.
2: Yeah, I mean it's getting really thin man because I mean we talked about it what was it last week or 2 weeks ago the last time we recorded and I mean right now I mean I'm a huge Clark Phillips guy. We've talked about this out of Utah, but after that man you're like, you know, Kaylee Ringo, has he taken the step forward? You know, I need to see mm-hmm. what the film's been looking like so far this year. Joey Porter Jr. is a guy that everyone's fallen in love with a little bit. Again, I'm just going to kind of tread on that one for a little bit and take a deeper look. Cam Smith, Caillou Blue Kelly, Emmanuel force Like, no one's really ascended near the top of this class. Like, it's probably I think it's just stayed pretty steady. I Like, I, I like the class in the summer as far as having some depth, but there wasn't any guys at the top that you were, like, slam dunk. Like, Kaylee Ringo could be that guy, but he isn't right now. And I think that that's the the struggle that you're finding right now is that you just got a little thinner at the top, and the top was already not not solidified and wasn't star studded. And so this is just a a knock, obviously, because again, Garrett's only 21 years old, three year starter at Syracuse. Last time that we saw him in a really talented secondary with Ifiatu Melifanwu and Andre Sisco and Trill Williams, he was the best defensive back they had as a tr- as a redshirt freshman so hopefully he gets back soon but I mean you're absolutely correct Joe this is a big big um knock on this class because you're still trying to figure out what the pecking order is of the quarterback group of 2023 so you were at this game though and you got to
1: see yeah. uh some Notre Dame guys in person and yeah. you got to see some Syracuse guys in person I want to start talking we'll probably we'll, we'll wrap with this this perspective on these guys and getting to see them because there's yep. a lot of really good players that played in this game. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of legit NFL players just off the top of my head. Like, uh, Michael Mayer is just one of them. And then we got on the Syracuse side of the ball, you got to see Matt Bergeron and Sean Tucker. Now, Sean Tucker was not pleased with his performance, but how do you think that he uh, he looked out there and as well as Bergeron?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that for me, Tucker did – pretty much everything he could with what he was given in that football game. I mean, you probably watched it too, Joe. It was like yeah. the only big run he had on the day was him, you know, completely bending his own back and working outside because there just was not much room and the Notre Dame defensive line and linebackers really played a good football game, but so it was more downhill type running for Sean Tucker. He just kind of had to take what was given to him. But I thought you saw the instances of, hey, when he gets out in space, he's got a little bit of juice to him. He's got pretty good vision as a zone runner. Just wasn't a lot of opportunities in this football game. And they even tried to sneak him on a couple wheels down the field where her, it was actually Isaiah Fosky covered him stride for stride, which was pretty wow. wild at 6'5, 265 pounds. But to your question about t- Tucker, man, is I there a like clip maybe, of
1: that? Wait, wait, is there a clip of that? I can, that we I can, can
2: find play? a clip. Yeah, I got the old 22 on it, so I could, uh, um, I could find a clip on that, man. It was wait, wild. Quarter,
1: do you know what quarter that was in? I might
2: pull it up while you're talking. I believe it was third quarter, most likely. I believe it was the third quarter. Okay, it I'll pull it up later. It was, that's, that's it was literally. Joe it was literally back-to-back plays, man. They ran the same wow. play, like, wheel route, and they got him matched up against Foskey, and Foskey ran stride for stride. It was – dude, it was a size mism- 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 mismatch there. Yeah, we're <laughs> talking about, about 5'10", 210 versus 6'5", 260. Like, it was bizarre, man. I was just like, wow, that's eye-popping. Because Isaiah Foskey has been a very up-and-down football player for Notre Dame this year, but then you see stuff like that, you're like – Freaky stuff, man. Freaky, mm. but uh, so I thought. I thought that Tucker did good with what he had. It wasn't anything spectacular. Bergeron, I didn't really check much out on. I mean, I'll tell you this: I saw him warming up before the game, and I was like, "Oh, my guy looks the part. Like he is all of six foot seven and three quarters and thirty-four inch arms, and it all checks out." So, I think they both had solid showings in this one against Notre Dame.
1: Now, for the Notre Dame guys, um, we were texting a little bit about Brandon Joseph, who had a really, really nice day in this game. There's actually a possibility that he's not really a part of this class. And I think that the more that we were talking about it because of his eligibility, it might be more beneficial for him to stay back another year because he's just one of those kids that's super raw. Like he, He's got all the traits, but he just hasn't really actualized it yet. And I think he's not necessarily there there to his full potential in his first year at Notre Dame. It really might benefit him to, to go back.
2: It's been a roller coaster for him, Joe, because if you remember against Ohio State, he played really well. He looked fantastic in that football game. And then he actually missed a game. I think it was either U, the UNLV game or he missed the Stanford game. And I, I think that kind of the story is is that he was banged up you know, throughout a little bit of the early portion of the season until now. And you saw him warming up against – Against Syracuse, and I mean, he is—he is the life that that Notre Dame needs, man. Like he's got so much energy. He's a springy athlete. First play of the game, he jumps a slant, pick six, which was fantastic to see. But the more impressive play, in my opinion, was in the fourth quarter. He had this rangy interception working over top. That was there was this phantom offsides call that uh, I still haven't seen it on film, but it was just a rangy play working from center field. He showed the quickness he had, and then in the run game, man, there was one play where he stuck Sean Tucker in the hole, dude. Like, stuck. (laughs) And I'm like, oh boy! And it, and he put that that video that um, picture on Twitter, which is fantastic. Clowning on Tucker so a disrespect.
1: Bit. <laughs> what, like with Sean Tucker talking shit to him? That just seems so unnecessary that he just took that. I, it was hilarious, but it was just a little bit unnecessary that he took that shot.
2: <laughs> I, I would say this. I don't know if Sean Tucker's a, a trash talker, but I do know that Brandon Joseph is a t- trash talker, so. Did it happen during the game? He's probably drawn with a bunch of guys. But it's going to be interesting, though, Joe, because Notre Dame plays Clemson this week, and then they have a couple easy games, Navy, Boston College, but then they end against USC. So to your point about is Brandon Joseph going to declare – it's I think it's gonna depend a lot about what he looks like down the stretch, because the scouts are gonna to go to the Clemson game. They're right. They're gonna to go to the USC game to see what his impact is, especially against the pass against USC. So right now, I would say as we are standing right this second, I would advise Brandon Joseph to go back to school. But if he mm-hmm. lights it up down the stretch, who knows? Right? Like he it only matters what you did your last snap. It only matters what you did down the stretch of a season. Those are the games that scouts are gonna watch. And if he show, if he, if he comes to ball out against Clemson and USC still possibly declares, but it's a kind of a wait and see for me right now.
1: And not shockingly, you were salivating over Michael Mayer and you were tweeting about
2: him a little bit today or is yesterday. I forget when you're no. tweeting about him. It's, Joe, it's, it's insane, man. I, I so I'm on the, the, th- there's a live chat thread on Irish breakdown on the message uh-huh. board. And literally, man, he made that catch near the end of the first half, which was like a 35-yarder or whatever, which if Drew Pine throws it earlier, it might be a touchdown. Like, it's possible, right? Like, he just cooked the, the defensive back that was in coverage. I have no idea why Syracuse, less than a minute left, is like, we're going to play man-to-man against Michael Mayer. That's going to work out really well, and it was dumb. <laughs> it's really stupid. But I, I literally wrote in the, in the thread after that happened, I'm just like, I think we all – as Notre Dame fans need to take a step back and truly appreciate who Michael Mayer is, man. Because I mean, Joe, it's easy to kind of overlook it because he's still an active football player. But Notre Dame fans and just national media and uh, national fans in general, we're watching one of the best tight ends to play at Notre Dame in history. Like this is a this, this is, is a crazy to edit. say. It's a le- he's going to be a legend. Like, you're going to talk about Michael Mayer at Notre Dame for the next 50 years. You are. Because yeah. it's it's you know tight end you, and you've had guys like Dave Casper and Mark Bavaro and Tyler Reifer and John Carlson and Anthony Passano and all these great tight ends. And Michael Mayer has a legitimate argument as the best tight end to ever put on the blue and gold. Like, he has yeah. a legitimate conversation for that, right? So – there's some people that I've seen on Twitter, you know, the scouting world that are questioning is athleticism and all this type of stuff. And I'm just like, guys, this dude is I one, he's super flexible. And I, I can't believe how big he is. He's 265 pounds and he can run routes as as good as any tight end that you'll see coming out over the next you know few years or in the past couple years runs great routes big guy strong physical after the catch and a good straight line athlete like everything just checks out man the kid is gonna be so good on the next level and he's a legend like he is one of the best tight ends that we have seen in recent history he is he's that good and I just think that people need to appreciate him a little more because it's not he's not a sexy player right like he's not a Kyle Pitts but this is I feel like on the next level he's just gonna be like Jason Witten that's just good for like the next 10 yeah. to 15 15- ears, and it's not flashy, but he's, wow, wow, oh, Michael Mayer had a thousand yards? Like, three times? It's crazy. Like, didn't even notice that, right? Like, that's that's who Michael Mayer is to me. That's underappreciated, but just dominant football player.
1: Yeah, and for some reason, there's some people that are trying to knock him in this draft cycle, and I pray for those people because they clearly don't want to acknowledge the talent that he brings to the table. He's, he's fantastic. He's just, he's, he's different. He's not the springy or not springs another. he's not like a 4-4 athlete and i think that's why a lot nah. of people don't want to buy into him but uh nah. once you realize who he is and that he's a tank he's a bowling ball to an extent <sighs> just really running is. everything over uh then you can truly appreciate michael mayer right i think that's a good note to wrap us up on at joe de leon at rising draft be sure to hit that subscribe button we'll be back with more I'll talk to you folks later